Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What is up everybody we are back with the big blurt uh i'm your host rob coletti and i am not a journalist and i'm here joined by my best friend william Meinke, the minker doodle dandy hi bill hey rob how I you doing you. i'm good, i miss you buddy. too Dude, um, a lot has happened i know it's been a couple weeks and it has been a crazy start to the season uh as we're going to get to in a moment we have a big maybe like i mean we had a, a guest who was on SNL. And I think I'm most excited about this episode of any that we have ever done. Uh, we're going to talk about the low snow. No, we're going to talk about the season so far, the emergence of your mean Mercedes, the Tonka truck. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to talk about my special shout outs from Jason Benetti and Steve Stone in the broadcast booth today and so much more. But first we have a special guest this week. Uh, a compatriot of ours at Southside Sox. Our guest tonight has one of the best Twitter accounts in the entire known universe. She originates from Chicago. I think the Southwest side I saw. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, grew up watching Sox games as a kid. Uh, went to school in Milwaukee, but then came back only to become a contributor for NBC, Sports Illustrated, SB Nation, and also... Legend has it worked at the cell back when the cell was still called the cell. And that makes her an icon in our industry known to some as the baller librarian. Also the Tyler glass. Now Stan also the Ehrman Mercedes hype account. We know her as a brilliant baseball mind, a social justice warrior and an all around badass. And with that, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Janice Scuio. What's up, dude? 
Oh my goodness. What an intro. First of all, I have to correct you on a, on a, a quick note there. Oh God, uh, I'm, more, I'm more of a social justice mage. I'm, I'm definitely much more on the, uh, maybe a black mage side. Yeah, definitely kind of getting into the dark arts a little bit there. Um, <laughs> my warrior days are long over. I, I prefer long range. Maybe social justice ranger. Love that for you. T-shirts. I think we need T-shirts. Social Justice Ranger. That's perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely much more of a fan of long-range combat. Yeah, I, I can't do that. But like, like, at my age, yeah. Like, <laughs> In this economy? Does, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I am a... Combat is, like, definitely not my thing anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I am a huge fan of yours. Thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. Um, we are obviously big fans of like your mind and you are clearly like one of the smartest baseball people maybe on earth when is your ESPN <laughs> show coming i don't know hopefully soon at really? least this hemisphere yeah at least in this hemisphere yeah. tell us a little bit about you and like how you got into baseball or sports or as a whole just like a quick little whatever yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, as you all know, uh, I am a White Sox fan. Uh, first of all, like total scam. Like, I, I, w- I was scammed at a young age into being a White Sox fan. Uh, but you know what? I- I've stuck with it to this day. Uh, yeah, I started watching games uh, as a real uh, young kid. Uh, the games were always on in my house. Uh, my mom was always a huge White Sox fan. Uh, she's an immigrant, uh, so she immigrated to the U.S. in uh, about like 1983, if I remember correctly. Um, um, from where? Yeah, from the Philippines. Oh. Uh, so yeah, essentially. Um, so her first White Sox team was, of course, that awesome 1983 White Sox team. Cool. Uh, so wow, uh, she's also crazy for her to have Larusa back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she, she's she's definitely big on regionalism. Uh, so like uh, we lived on the south side of Chicago, so of course you know South Side White Sox. She associated the two immediately, became synonymous. So uh, yeah, I was of course raised a White Sox fan, um, have been uh, for a long time. And as you mentioned, I went to school in Milwaukee, uh, followed the Milwaukee Brewers for a little bit. Still kind of do. They've they've got a fun, exciting team too. So they're my adopted NL team of sorts. Yeah. Corbin Burns is like, I, I believe he has, he's, he's driven in more runs than he's given up so far in his starts. I saw that. I am like my jaws on the floor. It's unreal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that for him. But um, yeah. Love just, that journey for him. <laughs> love that journey for him. That, that entire starting rotation. Now that Freddie Peralta is also just like really dominant as well. I think they're going to be fantastic, but uh, like the White Sox, the Brewers also have similar uh, injury problems. So uh, Kane and Yelich are both out. So uh, lots of parallels, lots of parallels going on here um, on the South side and Milwaukee too. Uh, but anyway, enough about the Brewers, a little bit more about me. Uh, yeah. So uh yeah, I, I guess I'm a baseball mind. I was about to say, I mean, like, I believe uh, yeah, people like uh, James Fegan also exist in my same time zone. So <laughs> I feel as if he's a lot smarter than I am, but thank you for that recognition. Uh, but otherwise, I haven't been into writing about baseball for that long, actually. I've only been doing it for like the past three years. And I've only been covering teams that are not the White Sox for the past like three months. 
So this is all still like just relatively new uncharted territory for me. Uh, but you know, I, I wanted to challenge myself though. I told myself at the beginning of the year that I was going to uh, put myself in more uncomfortable situations and kind of like put myself out there in order to become a better writer. And so far I think it's worked. Uh, I've, I've had a really good time, um, especially covering uh, baseball for NBC. I, I've been doing lots of research on players I've never heard of teams. I wouldn't even dream of, you know, thinking about depth. So spring training, I did a lot of studying up on the Rockies of all teams. Uh, so got a little bit of, of that knowledge in my back pocket. Also studied the Dodgers quite a bit. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, just happy to also still be covering and following my hometown team with uh, two, you two lovely gentlemen. Do you feel, do you feel uh, more joy covering uh, a pitcher's duel or just an offensive blast? Oh man, pitcher's duel for sure. Uh, just mainly because pitching analytics are kind of my thing. Uh, I love studying pitchers. I love studying deliveries, mechanics. Uh, I'm always up that uh, pitching ninja account. I, I'm, I'm always all for that. Um, just looking at the overlays, the delivery overlays of certain guys. Everything. Oh man. Oh yeah, it's absolutely everything. I mean, that being said, uh, I, I love an offensive explosion too. It's just so much fun. Um, but yeah, I do have to admit that sometimes uh, it, it can get a little overwhelming, especially if you've got like four consecutive home runs uh, that, that happened last season. Uh, so I was covering the game where, uh, yeah, uh, it was like four consecutive home runs hit by uh, Cuban born players uh, last year. I forget the day it was, but uh, yeah, it, it was like absolutely like incredible. I loved it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it got incredibly overwhelming, though, because I'm like, I'm trying to look up exit velocities, I'm trying to look up distances, I'm trying to, you know, like watch swings again, and then it's just like one after the other. And it's just like, guys, can you slow down just a little bit? <laughs> I love this era we're living in, we have access to so much information we never had. Uh, who, who's your all time favorite White Sox player? Oh my goodness. My all-time favorite White Sox player, um, like being someone who loves pitchers, uh, probably my earliest favorite White Sox player was Jack McDowell. Okay. I, I believe like, yeah, I was, I was like, I was, I was like seven when I first started watching the White Sox. Um, and yeah, of course, uh, he won the Cy Young that year. Uh, so he, he's definitely kind of cemented in my mind as being like one of my all time favorites. Uh, and I ended, I ended up meeting him too, uh, when I was working at the park. Uh, so I think like he, he might have been back doing like maybe some broadcasting duties. And uh, I, I, I worked at the home plate gift shop, um, behind guess what home plate, um, on the 100 co- level concourse. And so, yeah, he just strolled in, um, just wearing like uh, a leather, ja- black leather jacket. And I'm like, oh, hey, it's black Jack and a black leather jacket. That's no, that's no. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't black Jack one of the, the, when the cheating scandal was going on with the Astros, wasn't black Jack, didn't he call out Tony La Russa for cheating as well? He did. Long, yeah. yeah. yeah yeah he absolutely did uh but yeah uh, I was like like 18 19 just kind of you know sitting behind my counter you know just like hawking out t-shirts and then he like he walks up and like I'm the only person who recognizes him right and so I'm like holy shit it's Jack McDowell and so he walked over to me and shook my hand so that was pretty cool that's awesome so cool uh so do you obviously are a stats head do you follow fantasy baseball I do I do 
Yeah, um, I have two. Ellis is on your roster. I love fantasy baseball. I'm always interested. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So, yeah, actually, all of the coverage I do for NBC is all fantasy based. Uh, So I cover uh, two game shifts a week uh, where I'm just uh, given a bunch of games and I write about the top performances uh, of the day. Uh, So, uh, of course, too. before I created all of these fantasy teams, I was relying more so on extraneous uh, uh, just research, like telling my more experienced fantasy friends, like, who the hell do I draft? Like, what, who the hell do I pick? I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Because, I, I mean, you can say that you're knowledgeable about baseball until you're blue in the face, but the fantasy world is something entirely different. It, it, it's sort of like being baseball smart and fantasy smart are two very different things. Oh, yeah. I'm so... Uh, I do admit that I haven't checked up on any of my teams in like maybe a couple of days. Mm. Okay, okay. I did win my first week though. I did win my first week. Uh, so uh, a, a couple of my top producers, uh, JD Martinez, uh, Nick Castellanos, um, uh, like, like really fantastic right now. Uh, who else has been really good for me? Um, on the pitching side, uh, Tyler Molly uh, has been really good. Pleasant surprise. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, dang, who, who else? Who else? I, I think I kind of fell flat on the closer end. Um, I drafted Alex Colome on both of my teams, and yeah. I think he'll turn it around. I think he'll be all right. I think so too. I, I think he'll be all right too. But of course, too, when it comes to drafting a closer, I mean, like you either want to get a closer that, you know, just strikes out a crap ton of people um, or a closer that's known to, to burn or save. So I think, um, I think that Mark Melancon is probably the, the, the top saves leader right now. And so I didn't even think about like, he, he was nowhere near on my radar. Uh, so like, like, I, I don't know I, at this point, I'm just sort of like, if, if I at least have this, like, the, the attention span and strength to log on and actually switch my rosters on a daily basis, then I, I'm in good shape though. Uh, I try not to think too much about the, you know, the, the incidentals of some things. For sure. For sure. Um, what are you listening to? Like outside of baseball, what, what goes in the ear holes? Do we have like a musical artists that speak to you podcast you're on? What's up? Oh my goodness. Uh, so uh, I'm, Actually, so, so I'm a huge fitness buff, so I actually listen to a lot of uh, EDM dance tracks. Like, like, like those are the, like, that's the music that gets me moving. Um, so Art, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So a bunch of, um, the artists I've been listening to, uh, Disclosure, um, Avicii, like one of my all time favorite, uh, artists right there. Uh, who else? Modi is also really good. Uh, yeah. Uh, every time I tell people I'm actually just like a huge EDM fan, they're always like, what? Like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, no, it's not. EDM is good. (laughs) I love, I I love that shit. Just like, just let me listen to that all day. And so a lot of people will say like, oh, I, you know, you you talk about, you know, mental health and being sad all the time, but you listen to this upbeat shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Like, I, I I, I can't listen to sad music. I I have to listen to like, like happy upbeat music to get me into a good mood. Uh, So another good example, uh, Charlie XCX, um, Sophie, who just recently passed away. I'm a huge fan of Sophie. Um, So yeah, I'm a big fan of like EDM, hyperpop, um, like anything that's just like fun, electronic, upbeat. Hey, it has a connection to Chicago house music. That's mm-hmm, where exactly, it all started. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. And of course, of, of course, I'm sure you love Thunderstruck by ACDC. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, I, I, one thing that I, I, I want to throw your way because, so I follow you on Instagram and you also post some of the most delicious looking food that I have ever seen. What, what's like a spot, a restaurant that you go to that like people might not know about, but might have like a crazy burger or some killer noodles or what, what's your go-to that you want to like give a shout out to? Oh my goodness. Uh, so the best burger I've probably ever had in a long, long time uh, actually is from this place uh, called Mom's. Uh, it's a pop, it, well, it was a pop-up restaurant, but now I think they have a permanent kitchen uh, at Mars Brewing uh, in Bridgeport. Oh, cool. So if you're at the ballpark and you're just heading west on 35th Street, you just basically turn on iron and then like Mars Brewing is right there. And then, uh, yeah, um, Mom's has this cute little pickup window. Uh, but anyway, uh, they have this fantastic short rib burger and it's like the best burger I've ever had. Uh, their fries are also really fantastic too. So I know there's like a huge fry discourse kind of going on on the internet, whether, you know, crinkle cut waffle, uh, the, the, the type of cut of fry that like is really the best. I mean, like to me, all fries are good, but I'm not discriminatory with my potatoes. Same here. Same here. Like I, I can't discriminate against a potato. It, 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 it just feels wrong to me. I mean, people it, like to shit on like in and out fries, but honestly, I think they have a time and place as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's funny you say that actually one of my favorite articles I've ever read ranks fast food, French fries and in and out was in last place in the LA times and the LA times writer absolutely obliterated. In and out. You know, I hate to be, I hate to be that guy, but I cannot stand in and out fries. I will. I, I will I go McDonald's all the way. Yeah, but, I, I understand why like someone wouldn't like In and Out fries, but you know they have a time and place too. Um, I, I typically will order the fries, you know, just to balance things out because sometimes you know if I get the animal style, it, it's sometimes it's a little too much, especially if I'm eating that all by myself. You don't want all that, you know. Yes. Yeah. Especially, right. especially if you know you won't be around the vicinity of a restroom anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. so. so true. But listen. I just pulled up the the review. Can I read you this paragraph really quickly about the In-N-Out Burger Fries? Go ahead. Bringing up the rear is In-N-Out. Before you tell me there's a way to, quote, hack these fries or somehow make them better, either by loading them with American cheese or secret sauce or by ordering them well done, I will grant this. It certainly doesn't make the fries any worse. Just as dumping the fries into a dirt pile on the shoulder of a highway access road and running over that pile with my car would also probably not make the fries any worse (laughs) they were just they had to do it to them i guess i guess Uh, maybe maybe the fries aren't necessarily that bad but the wait to get the fries which is always 40 minutes 45 minutes at in and out is not worth it to me that's crazy it's great bill Bill and i uh, unfortunately have probably had a little too much experience with in and out burger that's um yeah, I'm, I'm just a sad Midwesterner who has like, been in and out deprived for, for, for a very long time. So. And I was there and I was there at one point. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, of a Culver stand though now. Same, same. Yeah. A lot of people love to shit on the, the crinkle cut fries at Culver's, but I honestly think they're really tasty, especially dipped in the ketchup. Um, it's, it's just like that, that kind of room temperature ketchup from the dispenser that, that's like just been sitting out there for hours. Like, I, I don't know. There, there's something about that. I think I think Culver's is top three places I miss in the Chicagoland area. Yeah, and Portillo's for sure. Portillo's. I'll drive forty five minutes to the one in Anaheim, and I will wait an hour for those hot dogs. (laughs) Rightfully so, Billy. 
Um, all right. Well, listen, uh, let's get into some Sox talk. I, obviously, we had a really big day in Sox Kingdom yesterday. Uh, the man, the los, uh, the, the, the probably one of the coolest stories in on the White Sox roster right now, if not like in recent White Sox memory of history, Carlos Rodon, third overall pick in the 2014 draft, had a couple of really s- strong seasons in the minors, came up, got hurt, got hurt again, hasn't had a lot of success, gets DFA'd, comes back on a short deal, probably for a pay cut because he knows the team is good, and has been pitching the lights out since spring training to cap it off, throws a no-hitter yesterday. Almost a perfect game until the very end. Uh, Dennis, how how did you take the game in? Were you watching live? What was it like for you? Talk to us about your highlights, favorite moments, what it means to you, this this game, and w- what it means for the future for the Sox. Oh, and for Carlos. Oh, my God. Yeah. To, to start off, um, I have to just get this out of the way. I, I was not a fan of the White Sox bringing Carlos back. I thought that it was kind of a, a step backwards, especially after he was non-tendered. Uh, and I, I know I'm certainly not alone in that sense, where a lot of people were like, what the hell were they doing? Um, like, I, I, I thought we were moving forward, that that's why we non-tendered him in the first place. Like, yeah, he's a form, former former first-round draft pick, and we try not to give up on those types of guys. But uh, I said on my own podcast, too, it's like, hey, I love Los. I think he's a fantastic guy. I think he might find better success with someone who might be a little more patient with him. So maybe another organization would have been a better fit. But they brought him back, um, and especially with uh, bringing Ethan Katz on, who I think is also just uh, instrumental in helping him uh, get to where he is uh, right now. Totally. Right. In retrospect, I mean, at the time, it seemed like a, a pretty bad idea. But now, like, he's he's made me eat my words. I've never been more happier to eat my words. My, <laughs> word, my, uh, my words are absolutely delicious, though. You know, I season them, you know, kind it's of like... It's than In-N-Out fries, that's for sure. Precisely. Better than In-N-Out fries. You know, they, 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 they're even, like, more delicious leftovers if you just, you know, throw them in the oven, you know, like 10 minutes at 420. It's it's just, like, so, so incredibly delicious. Uh, but yeah, this is a really fantastic story to see, just mainly because in 2020, um, I just remember watching a game of his where his velocity was like dipping down significantly. I don't think he was able to even hit like 90. Yeah, it was 87, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was um, his shoulder at that time. Uh, and of course, too, um, he was still recovering from TJ. Uh, so yeah, he was pulled. Uh, he was also put into some situations uh, last year that he should not have been put in uh, a lot of people kind of blamed him for it i, I didn't i, I kind of thought it was yeah it was definitely ricky's fault there um yeah, I, I just remember the time where yeah he, um he was trying trying his damnedest in a uh, game three of the wild card series and, and couldn't even get a single out yeah. um but now he just turns around and does this. I think that's absolutely incredible. Uh, but yeah, looking at his performance too, I think when I was watching the game, uh, I'm always like texting 50 different people at the same time. I'm like, I- I'm extremely online. I think that's like my weakness right there is that I am like online all the time. I, I kind of hate that about myself, but whatever. <laughs> um 
But uh, yeah, I was kind of just making observations and just like uh, texting uh, Sam, my podcast partner, and and my friend Zach. We like I was telling him like, hey, uh, Radon's pitch- pitching to contact quite a bit here, and it doesn't seem like Cleveland can hit him. This is interesting, and uh, the reason why I brought that up is because traditionally, when you see a no hit per- slash perfect game performance, you're, you're you're getting lots of whiffs on pitches. Uh, lots of swings and misses. Uh, that wasn't the case here. So uh, early on, and I'm just going to pull up uh, Carlos's fancy baseball savant page from last night. Uh, it <laughs> seems as if like he was relying heavily on the changeup early. Uh, so it probably was it a lot. Yeah. yeah, it was probably his least developed pitch coming into last night. Uh, he was definitely kind of like just like a fastball slider combo guy for for quite a while. And a new curveball. Uh-huh. And a new curveball too, that he threw three times, three times. And and he got three called strikes on three curveballs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, threw it yeah, about. I think I think that's what Ethan Katz has also been doing, is he's getting his pitchers to really trust a pitch that they obviously wouldn't normally trust. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, obviously Giulito's had his changeup and that's been his killer for a while, but I mean the way he's throwing it this year and it was great last year, still looks so much better than last year. Uh, it's really cool to see what Ethan Katz is doing at the club. And yeah. what, Rodon didn't have his first strikeout until the fourth inning, right? Yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah. And so this was a really low strikeout performance. He was, however, um, the, the whiff rate was kind of picking up near the end of the game. And a couple of people online pointed this out where it seemed as if his velocity was increasing as the innings went on, which is really interesting. Uh, so I don't know if that's like like that second win, that third win, that adrenaline there. Um, but uh, he topped out last night at 98.8 miles per hour on that fastball so uh he in, the took ninth a- inning. in the ninth inning that's crazy yeah so his average just to give you an idea is about 92 uh so that yeah. is a huge huge difference uh but the velo on all his pitches were actually is actually up so the slider velo uh was up a little bit too uh the chain the, i know it's silly to talk about change of velo but you know it, it, it that was also up as well but, uh, yeah, other than that, um, I believe the hardest hit pitch last night, um, yeah, uh, Cleveland basically couldn't make hard contact off him all, all evening, right. which essentially was the key to his success. Right. So uh, the max exit velocity was one, 110. That, that, that's it. I mean, that that is that a, that, that's a hard hit ball, yeah. but like, that that's probably I, I think that was probably the only hard hit ball here, but I'll confirm. There only, yeah, there are only one or two. And the yeah. one that went to Lurie at shortstop, I think, seemed like it was the hardest hit ball. Obviously, you don't really necessarily know, but I would have figured it was that. Didn't Ramirez take him to center field or something? Uh, right on a line yep. drive. But that is true. Just right. that, that actually was the hard hit ball. Uh, so just counting here, uh, Cleveland has one, two. Three, four, wait, no, I, I read that wrong. Only three hard hit balls all night, uh, not counting uh, Luplo and uh, Cesar Hernandez's ground outs, uh, which were at 99 miles an hour. Wow. But uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, um, no one was able to really hit him uh, hard last night, which was really great to see. 
like most mostly all contact outs, um, a very burly like performance. And I think one of my one of my friends mentioned that early on last night, too. Uh, so while I was off talking about uh, his unbuttoned jersey and lack of an undershirt, my other friend was doing actual baseball analysis and mentioning that like, oh, um, he's looking a lot like Mark Burley tonight. Really cool. Um, yeah. But- <laughs> yeah, he was he was moving he was moving pretty quick too, which was great was. to see. Mm-hmm. Do you think do you think that he has earned a place with the Sox long term? Goodness, um, yes. Risky question, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his last start was also really solid too, and yeah. to see this from uh, a fifth starter. And I made a joke like earlier on Twitter that uh, yeah, the uh, Cleveland was no hit by a fifth starter and a. Uh, the game was called by a backup catcher. Like how incredibly <laughs> cool is that? Yeah. And, and guess- also screw Cleveland forever. I love this tweet for challenging a sliding <laughs> play to first. Now, I thought, I thought he was out on first look. I didn't think he was even close to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I also know that in every no hitter, there's going to be at least like one or two, like really flashy. Oh, yeah plays and so I think uh, yeah Abreu's death drop at first base is, is definitely going to be it, it was one of them and I think the Leori stop um yeah. of that line drive I can't remember what inning it was but seven or eight I know what you're talking yeah. about great backhanded yeah. stab he mm-hmm. looked he looked yeah. great at short last night I thought so too I thought so too um so uh yeah Leori at, sh- at short uh it was definitely kind of good to see him uh in that role uh doing his thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, one other thing I want to talk about is, uh, Zach Collins. Uh, so Zach Collins is not necessarily known for his framing prowess, but I think he was doing fantastic last night. Oh yeah. So, uh, for a rookie for sure. Without a he doubt. called, that was his 15th start, his 15th major league start. Um, and that, that's amazing. I mean, to, to call a game like that is that's something special for him. Yeah, they were. They said uh, Benetti was saying on the broadcast today that the ground staff uh, has told Zach Collins they're going to gift him with home plate. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's great. great that's incredible. Respect. Yeah, love that for him. Love that journey for him. Love that. <laughs> love that journey for him. But I, I know, I know he's got like plenty of good mentorship. I know that early, uh, yes, Monty Grandal uh, kind of took him under his wing. Uh, they, they, they both went to uh, the same college, so I think that they've got that kind of like commonality together. Uh, Jerry Naren, I know, uh, has helped quite a bit. I know he's also working with Yermin Mercedes on catching too, uh, which. I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily know if I want to see your mean catch, uh, just mainly because I, I just love him so much in the DH spot. Uh, but, uh, I'll, 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 I'll like that journey for him if, uh, he chooses to pursue, uh, the, the, the catcher, uh, the actual position player route, but. Sure. <laughs> yeah. well, we're, we're going to get to your mean in a second, but before we do, let's, let's talk about the whole season for a second here. It's early. We're only a couple weeks in. And obviously the expectations for the Sox were pretty high this year and rightfully so. I mean, it's an incredible team. I actually like the idea of locking up Rodon. If he continues to pitch at least even, even at like 70% of what we're seeing of him right now, he's a great left-handed pitcher. He's 26 or 27 years old. And we, we have a good core outside of him, right? You know, whatever happens with Lynn and Keiko long-term, Giolito and Kopech look like they'll be around. Got a great lineup. So you would expect that this team is going to compete really high. 
but obviously there's been some disappointing moments so far. And I think there, there's a lot of chatter about Larusa and some of his decisions. Uh, do you think that he maybe has more power than he should? Is there uh, an issue with maybe, you know, obviously the Nick Williams stuff was really interesting. What are your thoughts on the status of the team right now in the early phase of the season? And what, what do you think the Sox can or should do to kind of course correct, assuming that they can continue to progress? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it is still early in the season. Uh, I definitely want to reserve judgment on like uh, overreacting or proclaiming that the season is lost or oh. that we're completely screwed. Uh, but I do have to admit that especially the first couple of games of the season uh, were shades of uh, kind of the, le- the the last stretch of the 2020 season where yeah. we just saw the White Sox in a bunch of these situations where the game was certainly winnable, but it was just like some sort of hairline decision that just completely threw the entire course off. Mm-hmm. So especially, um, yeah, th- there were some things, uh, especially some things that Larusa decided on that mystified me as well as especially or as uh, uh, alongside lots of other White Sox fans too. Like for example, um, like using Liam Hendricks after um, like was it Cody Hoyer that had blown the game. My, right. my memory doesn't serve me right. The, against the Angels, Foster in for seven runs, you know, right. not challenging yeah. a couple of really yeah. obvious challenges, just some stuff like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, there were some instances where uh, Larusa uh, was not aware of the, I guess, uh, time allotment between when you're able to challenge a play and when you're not. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, like, I. I, I do, and I kind of don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt there because, you know, as a manager, he should be well aware of these kinds of things. Uh, and I was told earlier, like before he was even hired, that a Hall of Famer baseball person can't be outmanaged. Right. So, uh, yeah, we hired him basically because we're looking for him to bring all of this old school, like baseball wisdom. And I don't necessarily know if that's going to fit in with uh, kind of this uh, new new school approach to the game. Right. So I'm, I'm trying my hardest to not be critical. I, I do admit I was very vocally against Larusa being hired uh, for, for not ne- necessarily just baseball reasons, but I just didn't yeah. really like the circumstances in which he was hired. Um, I kind of really wish they would have actually considered another candidate Um uh, Jerry uh, will do whatever the hell he wants, though. And, you know, we as fans kind of have to deal with it. I mean, that that's a shitty thing to think about, but it's the truth. Um, Bummer and major truth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, other than that, um, I don't know, watching Tony's postgame interviews are it, it is painful as hell. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what it is. Uh, he just seems so incredibly just like low energy. Um <laughs> Just, I don't know. I I, I want to like the guy, um, and, and not to say that I don't like him, uh, because I mean I do. I, I genuinely just want to uh, give him a chance before I, you know, bring down further judgment. But I uh, I would just like to see uh, some better decisions made uh, that are not uh, late twenty twenty decisions that uh, Rick Renteria uh, were fi- was fired for. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm right with you. I think um, there are, the, people were justified to criticize the Larusa hire because nothing went into the hiring process. It was obviously a decision that just was handed down from Jerry, and you know I, I'm already seeing some 
pretty egregious errors. It's early, though. Obviously, I'm in the same boat as you, not hitting the panic button. Played a couple of really good teams already. Cleveland and the Angels are both really good teams. Um, But, uh, you know, there's also been some bright spots as well. Obviously, um, Mercedes, and and we'll we'll get to that. I'm literally going to put an entire segment about just your Mercedes in this show. Wonderful, because I love talking about him. I I can't can't (laughs) wait to make the brain on it, but... But there have been a couple of – obviously, Giolito has been just incredible and the Rodon thing. And uh, for all the offensive struggles our team's had, we have, obviously have a couple of great um, offensive performances too. Are there um, a couple of players that you're really proud of, maybe a moment that you, you think has stood out that hopefully the White Sox could feed off of going forward? Uh, trying to think of any, like, non-Yermin Mercedes. You're uh, right. It's tough. <laughs> It, it really is tough. It really is tough. Um, I, I think it was really cool uh, to see Tim Anderson go uh, to, was it two for four today? Uh, just watching him kind of like knock that pitch in uh, for a single, like right, right off the bat, quite literally. That yeah. was really cool to see. I know he's been eager to get back. I've been eager for him to come back as well. Yeah. Uh, seeing him at the top of the lineup, I, I think he's just the quintessential leadoff man because um, the man just gets on base. Uh, he knows how to make contact. He can hit anything. He babips everyone to death. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, so he, he's probably my, my all-time favorite non-Yermin Mercedes player. Um. Other than that, uh, some other things I've seen that I have liked, like, oh my goodness. All right. Like literally think of a non-Yermin Mercedes example. I don't know. I, I, just, I just have this like flashing marquee that is just Yermin Mercedes over <laughs> again. So that, that's kind of how my brain works right now. Um. All right. I, I do have to like give some props to Adam Eaton though. Uh, so <laughs> looks good. Yeah, he has been like pretty fantastic at, uh, lately. So uh, again, another guy that can make contact. Uh, he's also some, got some good defensive range too. Uh, oh. So uh, the, the, that part of my brain that thinks about Adam Eaton's defense has like I don't know, like uh, atrophied. Uh, but I, I think I'm, I'm remembering now that he is a pretty affable defender or, or good defender. Yeah. What, what some of his major trade value when we got rid of him was because he was just one of the best right fielders defensively in the game. And, you know, Han's decisions are really paying off. I, I have to say, just like you, I was super critical of the Rodon signing. I was super critical of the La Russa decision. Uh, I actually thought that Lynn was a great move. Uh, but you have to wonder. I mean, the dude's 33, 34 years yeah, old. Yeah, until you look at Dane Dunning, do what he's doing this year. Right, right, right. Well, listen, it's early, he's too. It's great, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I root for Dane. I, I, I like him. He pitched his, his heart out for us, and I wish him nothing but success in Texas. Uh, but, you know, Lynn is the established veteran, and he is needed in this lineup. I mean, he's the first pitcher in White Sox history to have two back-to-back 10-strikeout games with no walks. It's He obviously is incredible. Yeah. Uh, but do you, do you think that Han has silenced the haters or is it still too soon to tell? Oh man. So the haters, uh, AKA me, I, I, yeah. I am. Are we silenced? Is the question. <laughs> you know what? Into our microphones. You know what? It, it's just like, if there's anything I'm happy to be wrong about, I, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong about any criticism I put forward yep. to the team. And I mean, like, I can love something and criticize it at the same time. I, I criticize the White Sox because I love them so much. Like, like, like that, that's essentially what it is. Like, criticism to me is an act of love. So, 
Yeah. Uh, to continue on, I was super critical about the Eaton move. I mean, like he's not horrible. Um, and, and I have gone on record on my, my own podcast saying that he sucks. Like that, that's not true. He doesn't suck, but I picked him up in my fantasy team and he is, he has an eight player rating for me. I'm pleased. There you go. There you go. Good for you. Love that for you. So, <laughs> so, uh, at the time, though, just the optics didn't look good, just mainly because of the time he was signed. He was signed, like, right out of the gate when, like, all of the more highly touted free uh, right field free agents were still available. Really? So, so for me, um, I wasn't on the Jock Peterson train. Um, I wasn't really a huge fan. Um, I, I didn't think his numbers were, would like improve and so far I mean they haven't again it's still early in the season I just know like he just crushes uh right-handed pitching or was it left-handed pitching I can't remember it was one of those two but anyway um I was really more of a Eddie Rosario uh fan I'm just like I I think I would have like like especially in this past series I think if we had Eddie Rosario uh, that would have been uh, a lot better but anyway I digress uh, yeah, I, th- I think the, the more this team succeeds, uh, the more I'm happy to eat my words. I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong about any of this. Me too. Me too. And I, I will continue to be. Um, do, do you see a, a move? I, I'm personally in the camp that is actually thinking our pitching is pretty good. I don't mm-hmm. know that a move needs to be made for a true ace. I honestly wouldn't be mad about bringing in someone uh to, if it depends who you have to give up to maybe replace cease in the lineup i might already be leaning that way we'll see but uh i'm kind of more in the camp of like would love to see a joey gallo or someone like that come to the team is there a move that you think would super benefit the socks like an anthony santander or something uh, who who do you think rick Hahn is a bullpen where can the socks like just augment a bit to improve their chances Oh my goodness. I think all of the above are perfectly valid uh, answers right there. Uh, and just to think, I mean, um, pitching uh, for the most part uh, is pretty good. I think the only question mark in the rotation right now is Dylan Cease. Right. Uh, and I might be slightly concerned about Keuchel's health. Uh, I know he's been um, nagged by back problems uh, yeah. a little bit this year and last year too. Uh, so maybe he, he's like half of a question mark, sure. uh, but uh, he's still a very solid starter. Uh, as for the bullpen, though, uh, we came into the season just thinking, you know, oh, the pen is mighty. Everyone just like rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> today, uh, like, yeah, there's been a slight dip in Garrett Crochet's velocity. Uh, so uh, knowing his injury. <laughs> Do you think that that's due to maybe coaching, telling him to watch his elbow, or is there maybe already an issue? Do you see? I mean, given his injury history, I don't know if he's just trying to be a little too careful um, or uh, it might be kind of shades of last year in the playoffs where, uh, yeah, he had that like forearm shortness. uh, And then a lot of us were like, oh, no, that's code for he needs like TJ again. Oh, no. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I I would really like to hope he's not hurt. I would like to hope that it's really more so coaching that um, he's been instructed to uh, try not to blow out his arm. Uh, that would be nice if he did not blow out his arm, uh, just to make the record clear there. But uh, yeah, as for any off-season or not off-season, goodness, uh, any upcoming moves, uh, I think another outfielder would probably be a good target. 
so yeah, some of the names you mentioned would be pretty good. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, I think would be fantastic. Uh, oh, Julie Gallo. Um, let's see, uh, who else? Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I write about outfielders all day and I'm just o- always like, Oh, this person is good. He should play for the White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, this will never happen, but Nick Castellanos. Oh my God. Oh man. That would be great. Love to have him. Would also love Catal Marte can swing it. Yeah. You know, he's on my fantasy team. Uh, pick so. up started off white hot. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was really good in spring. Uh, so he, he kind of carried that momentum into the regular season. So love to see that. Um, yeah. Cattell Marte would be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I think I would keep an eye on a lot of these teams uh, that might be kind of in the doldrums right now. Uh, so the Diamondbacks are one of them, uh, the Rockies Rangers. Uh, so any guy, any, any high performing guys on any of those teams uh, would be, uh, nice for the socks to, to grab. I, I would take Blackman in a heartbeat from the oh, Rockies. Blackman, Blackman? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Blackman and, would be great. What about what if the listen dream scenario? Can is there is there a world where the Sox trade for Trevor Story and Herman Marquez? Oof, oof. I mean, we have the prospect capital, and that solves all the problems. And then oh, you flip Nick Madrigal for you know whoever. So I think taking Herman Marquez out of cores would be doing him a favor too. So, so yeah, I, I, th- I think if I was Herman Marquez and like, was like, Hey, do you want to get traded to the White Sox? I, uh, I would just be like, yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like talking to a dog when you're just like, Hey, do you want to go outside? <laughs> <laughs> the dog just goes crazy and like, yeah. Yeah, I would. I would assume if like you told Herman Marquez that, hey, do you want to get traded to a team that doesn't play at Coors Field? <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be pretty happy about it. Yeah. And obviously, he's the type of pitcher. He has that um, really fantastic combination of multiple off-speed pitches that obviously the White Sox love to have. And if he's if he's like you know not even your number one, I mean, what a what a beast that would be in the rotation. And mm-hmm. you know, Trevor Story's not staying in Colorado. Why, why not make a press for it? You know, Madrigal, I like Madrigal. I'm actually in the camp of wanting to give him some time to develop, but I will also say that if I'm presented with the option to like, you know, trade him for someone who is ready to go today, I'm probably okay with that, but. Right. We'll, right. I, also someone who doesn't like toot plan at all yeah. as, as a Nick Madrigal. Um, Listen, Nikki two strikes and, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge Jason Benetti fan. He's like my favorite announcer in all baseball. I, I would love to hear him say Nikki two strikes every single day for the next 10 years. That'd be great. But, <laughs> I mean, I also am aware that like somebody like Trevor story would really elevate the Sox abilities. Hey, um, I'll just say that Madrigal does have the second highest batting average on the team right and, now. And he also has the best contact rate in the majors. He's uh, missed less uh, bats than anybody else. So he, I'm telling you, he reminds me of Brian Roberts from the Orioles. I've said it before, and I'm just he'll he'll end up like that if he stays the way he is. I hope That's so. Not right. And, and listen, obviously, we still have to get to talking about the one and only Irmi Mercedes, which we're going to do in just a second. But first, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Uh, hang tight, everybody. We will be right back. Okay, I hope you enjoyed your ad for whatever the hell it was you just heard that you need to buy because you should. Uh, but. After you go and buy that, we want you to be uh, listening to our friend. We're joined uh, today by the brilliant Jenna Skirio, and she is on Twitter right now named 
tell us what your your your, your Twitter name is right now. Yes, I have uh, usurped the title as uh, the uh, Your Mean Mercedes hype account. And there's no better place to go for your mean Mercedes-related media and content. And rightfully so, he deserves a hype account. This man is honestly astounding. Watching his vision at the plate, his ability to watch even his one plate appearance against Bieber, where he watched that baseball come within six inches of the plate before needing to decide what to do with his bat. Is this guy a flash in the pan or is he the real deal? Oh, he's like, or as the, your mean Mercedes hype account, uh, he he's legit. I should have expected there was one answer to that question. (laughs) He's absolutely real. Uh, So uh, I've been on the Yermin Mercedes train uh, since last last spring training. Uh, Last spring training, he he was also raking too. And he was kind of vying for uh, that 26th man spot. uh, But he was lighting it up in the Dominican League in November and December too. I do remember that too. Yeah. Uh, so I follow him on Instagram and he was posting all of his videos and crap from like all of his games and all of his home runs. And I, I honestly didn't think much of it at the time. Like I, I've, I've been like, Oh, look at your mean doing your mean things. Uh, and then uh, you see him in spring training, absolutely explosive. Uh, and then uh, I was so happy when he made the team. Uh, just he's the DH that we've been wanting uh, for the past two years now. Uh, and years. you're right, right. Adam Dunn. I mean, what were they thinking? Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. We had to sit through an entire year of Edwin and Carnacion. Uh, it's, it's just. I, yeah. I saw a statistic that was like um, uh, the, the, uh, it was like your mean Mercedes has more hits in the first 12 games of the season than uh, Ed- Edwin Arcanacion had in like two months last year or something along those lines. Just absolutely insane. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, but yeah, he's had, uh, let's see how many multi-hit games. He's had one, two, three, four, five multi-hit games. Out of like 10. <laughs> Yeah, out of 10, out of 10. And just his stats, too, are just absolutely ridiculous right now. Uh, So uh, he's currently batting at a cool 500, uh, which, oh, my goodness, on base percentage. A lot of people were concerned about his on base percentage. So I talk a lot about I I talk to a lot of fantasy people who are in on base percentage based leagues. And a lot of them were like, I don't know if I should get Mercedes. Like, I don't know. He like, like he mashes, but does he get on base? Like, the answer? Yes. He gets on base. His Isn't he uh, have a 1300 OPS right now. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So uh, his on base percentage is 548. Um, he's got a slugging percentage north of 800. Uh, his weighted runs created, uh, which is something I've been talking about quite a bit, is mainly because I think weighted runs created is a hilarious stat. Um, so the average is like 100. 100 is like like the average run production uh, for for a player. His is at 280. Just insane. And to give you a general idea of how nuts that is, uh, Jose Abreu's weighted runs created plus last year was, I believe, like 170. One MVP. I mean, your <laughs> Mercedes is the best. Is your Mercedes is the best offensive player in baseball right now? 
You cannot deny it. Will he come down to earth? I mean, I'm assuming so, at least somewhat. I don't necessarily think he's going to hit 400 over 162 games, but I certainly do foresee that this guy's plate vision combined with his natural strength and his bat speed absolutely aligns with a 300 hitter who can hit 25 dingers a year, give you 85 RBIs if he's bad in the five slot, and he is going to draw some walks. He's going to get on base. He's pretty smart in the base paths, despite being a big Tonka trunk of a guy. Uh, I, you, know you know what's really cool is that that when you watch him at the plate, if he has two strikes on him, he'll swing and miss a couple times. But if he has two strikes, he shortens up. He he, yeah. he chokes up on the bat, and he, he speeds up his swing, which is amazing. And right. that's like one of the coolest things to watch. He's a super smart uh, batter in the batter's box. And I think right now – he has the most hits of, I think today was his number 20 hit on, of the year, which is pretty amazing. And the next person down is, is at 14. It's Luis Robert, which is also great to see him hitting too. So like, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool for a guy that it took 10 years to really kind of get up in the spot. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's a career 300 hitter, like in the minors too. So right. Isn't it insane? Yeah, so it's not like this came out of nowhere. It's not like this is like some sort of fluke. He's always been like this. He's always been a good hitter. And yeah, his, his two-strike approach is really fantastic, where his swing is a lot more simple. Um, he doesn't lift up his leg to get that extra momentum on the two-strike swing. Uh, it's just a lot cleaner. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the approach, I think, is brilliant. I, I, I think it's great. Uh, he makes contact better that way. Uh, he puts the ball in play. Uh, I, I just can't say enough about how much i love him well i'm gonna ask you the really tough question now i obviously we we have as white Sox fans we have to deal with the fact that we have a log jam of a certain realm of player mm-hmm. jose abreu andrew vaughn eloy jimenez and your mercedes are all yes. essentially dh type first baseman catcher left fielder types mm-hmm. right doubt that jose abreu is moving to left field doubt that he's necessarily going to be relegated to the bench at any point. Nope. We cannot play Eloy Jimenez in left field in the long term. He just cannot do it. So, your mean Mercedes doesn't really long term look like there's a spot for him or at least Andrew Vaughn. If you are faced with the choice of a 28-year-old who is clearly a hitting phenom or the top hitting prospect, right-handed hitter in all of baseball, who are you investing in long-term? Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, long-term is is definitely a uh, a weird question. It's mainly because, like, we're, we're so invested in the now. Um, like, 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 we've been told, like, you know, the rebuild is over, like, so many times this year. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do like what I've seen out of Vaughn in left field, though. I think his arm certainly needs a little Good more. Today. Oh, yeah, he was flashing the leather today. Uh, and I think, like, if Aloy making the same play, like, he would, you know, dislocate his other shoulder. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't think we can bring Aloy out there again. Uh, and I know, like, he's, he's kind of stubborn in that regard where he wants to be out there. He wants to play defense. Yeah. And so I think someone just kind of needs to uh, put their foot down and just be like, all right, I mean, if you want to be out there, um, all fine and good, but you just really need to, you know, tighten, tighten that side of your game up. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I think Yermin has certainly like earned his spot. 
uh, for the time being. I, it's gotten to the point where if I don't see him in the DH spot, I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, Agreed. It, <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, th- th- there's like no reason like he shouldn't be playing every day with yeah. like yeah. like. In fact, the fact that he sat two games in a row is actually insulting. It's garbage. It's absolutely, it's basura. Are you guys guys kidding me? Jake Lamb? You don't want to play Jake Lamb over your Mercedes? Listen, if Jake Lamb, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a very nice person, but I really pray that he is DFA'd when Adam Engel comes back. Oh, my God. We cannot. I I can guarantee you that's probably going to happen. Uh, So as soon as Adam Engel is reinstated from the injured list, uh, the, the Jake Lamb era will be over. Wow. He looked awful today pinch hitting i mean that's what he was brought on to do is you have to make some decent contact in the ninth inning in a pinch hitting spot or or play elite defense and he did he's done neither um the the hardest thing and sorry rob uh, rob rob you also side note have very giolito hair right now it looks great buddy (laughs) that's the nice thing anybody has ever said to me thank you wow that's great yeah it's it's very giolito like you just need like a kitten on like on top of your head I, yeah. do, I also need to do the like sleek sides thing that he does, you know, where yeah. he shaves down the edges and does that slick pushback that I can't pull that off. <laughs> uh, the, the hardest thing is, the... is the legitimate like icon, by the way, if we don't, if we don't extend him, what are we even doing this for? What will happen all for? That'll happen. He said he wants to be, a, he wants to be a Sox for life. That's what well, he, I, I mean, think at this I point, he's a $200 million pitcher at least. Uh, yeah. At least. So the uh, the hardest thing about the bringing Aloy into left field or having him BDH is that uh, uh, you know where's obviously where's Vaughn gonna go? What's Vaughn gonna do? Because you have you have Mercedes who's crushing it and should be DH all the time, but you don't want to sit Vaughn on the bench because that hurts his development. And if you set him down, it's kind of like okay, well that that's good, but you also have two more years and maybe a year left of of Abreu at first base. And he's probably going to get an extension because we love him. And he's probably going to come out of the slump he's in right now at the beginning of the season. Where, where does Vaughn go? What happens to Vaughn? Well, this year, for whatever it's worth, I think that even if they were to supplement somebody, I mean, Vaughn is proving that he can play left field pretty well. I mean, he, I remember the first, watching his first appearance in spring training and being like, whoa, that kid actually moves pretty well in some open field and after what i saw today i have no he's already significantly surpassed what eloy or eloy is capable of doing out in outfield this year i think vaughn stays i'm curious just you know if i'm if i'm rick Hahn and i know that like okay if your mean mercedes is the real deal do you do you risk flipping him and try to maximize some return potential or do you try to hold on to a guy like that who obviously not only plays really well but has a huge connection with the fans on the south side that that's my debate you know i, I foresee that because El- eloy even if he comes back later this year he's not probably not going to be putting out 15 home runs in a month you know what i mean it's just not realistic robbie's still hitting 30 home runs I, I'll, I'll always hope every single yeah. game, every single at bat. I assume that Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada are going to hit a home run, and I always get hurt. It doesn't matter. I foresee that Eloy is going to be the DH of the future. I don't think the Sox are going to be dumb enough to put him back out in left field. Your me Mercedes is a DH. He's not a left fielder. What? What? That's 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 my only debate and my wonder. 
Oh man. Yeah. Um, if, uh, Eloy is not put, uh, back in left field, I honestly would be pretty surprised. I have a feeling that Eloy is, is going to be very adamant about wanting to return to left field. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would, I, for one would rather not see him out there. And I know, uh, I am preaching to the choir here, but, uh, yeah, uh, for, for for the time being, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Yermin is certainly kind of a, a monolith. He should not be moved out of that DH spot for the time being. Agreed. Um, well, listen, we're we're super grateful to have you uh, here. I'm a huge fan of your Twitter. I had a little cool thing happen to me today. Oh, I, yeah? I was watching the Sox broadcast, as I do almost always, and I tweeted in response to the recurring jingle of Nationwide that S- Steve Stone and Jason Benetti always do, Nationwide is on your side. Uh, they made a little side comment saying uh, that they should bring their show to Broadway. And I just randomly tweeted, you know, I- I- I've worked on Broadway a couple of times. I'm going to do another show here when the world comes back from COVID. I just randomly tweeted. Uh, hey, if you guys want to bring your little nationwide jingle up to Broadway, I know some people I'll facilitate. And they read it on the air. And not only did they read it on the air, I responded, tweeted by saying that they should put out a production of the producers. And they read that too. So I just wanted to give you guys a chance to pay homage to the new White Sox broadcast royalty. I'm sitting in front of you. What would you like to say? I'm here. I'm listening. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I... I, I, I... In my head, I'm just trying to like write uh, songs that would be in this musical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Jason Eddie Steve Stone version of the producers. Yeah, exactly. The run producers. <laughs> the run producers. Yeah, the 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 the, the, uh, the run differentials, the run productions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to have song titles like "That Ball Is Gone." Uh, you got to have like um, you got to have like a a. a I don't even know. I don't, Rob, you're the guy here. What What are some good Broadway songs here? Well, you know, for whatever it's worth, I know this is going to sound like such a cop-out. I, I legitimately, I didn't see a Broadway show until I was cast in my first Broadway show. So I don't know a whole lot about, like, musicals. And, like, my first show that I ever did was The Book of Mormon, and I did a bunch, uh, I did it with a bunch of different people and different casts. And I, they, I would get made fun of a little bit because they would be like, this is from Sunday in the Park with George. And this is from, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know. You're, hey, you're I believe you. I, take I will you. say this. I've seen you in both. I've seen you in two musicals so far and uh, you're superb, buddy. Oh, you're, superb. Billy, you're just saying yeah. that. You're like, no, no, you're great. <laughs> um, well, uh, on that note, if you want to see my brilliant tweets that were read on the air, you can see the footage on my Twitter account at Rob Coletti. Bill, uh, let him know your, your Twitter handle. Uh, at Bill Mikey. And Janice, go ahead and give yours as well. Scuriosa with two eyes. So Scuriosa. My that, last name spelled very grotesquely. And is that is that a Harry Potter reference? It is not. Oh, okay. Not. Yeah, it, it was meant to be uh, a combination of my last name and the word curiosa in Spanish. Okay. Uh, but then someone asked me if it, if, if it was a Mad Max reference. And I'm like, uh, no, I th- th- that was not my intention. Um, but that that's is, pretty cool. Is somebody in Mad Max? Is that a reference to Mad Max? Imperator uh, Furiosa was essentially. Oh yes, okay. right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, if you guys are looking for the best White Sox account to follow, you are not going to find many better than hers. Please go follow her. Uh, it's time for the final segment of the show. At the end of every episode, we do a little quick rundown of everything sports that we also just kind of enjoy. 
a little quick lightning round style, almost, you know, pardon the interruption. And we're just going to run through some quick topics real quick. Uh, the Red Hot Red Sox, they're lighting it up. Can they keep it going or will the White Sox cool them off? What do you think? They got swept by the Orioles. Um, so they looked like crap at first, but again, early in the season. So who knows? Maybe uh, the White Sox will uh, Oriole them up again. What do you think, Bo? Uh, I think the White Sox are going to light them up and I think Jose Bray is going to come alive. I think I think that Yoan Moncada is going to come alive in Fenway. I think the plan against his old team is going to ignite that spark. At least I'm hoping because he's on my fantasy team. Uh, are the Reds for real? I think so. Uh, they've got a couple of really great guys. Tyler Naquin, uh, Castellanos, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Jonathan India. Uh, another, India. Another really fantastic rookie that has just kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, I, I, I think yeah, I, I think they're legit. Um, I feel kind of bad because uh, I sort of counted them out. Uh, just writing my Milwaukee Brewers season preview, I thought that the Cubs and Cardinals were probably going to give a little bit uh, more trouble to the Brewers than the Reds were. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I think they're formidable. I think they're legit. How about you, Billy? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to also say they're legit. I think. Uh, I think they're going to get more hits than the Cubs. Um, <laughs> I think everybody's going to get more hits than the Cubs this year. Uh, Reds are going to get more hits than the Cubs in May. Yeah. But, and also I got to give it up. We got to get our boy. Luke is a big Reds fan and he, uh, guest on our podcast. So we got to root for the Reds. We do. And I love Cincinnati, the city. I had a really great time there when I went. I also, I have a lot of respect for the Reds organization. I love the way they play. I'm pulling for them. They're great. Um, the Cubs though. Boy, are they in a free fall. What do you think is going on? Is there anyone to rectify it? Or is this a team that is going to be selling the farm at the trade deadline? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I, I think they, they honestly didn't do enough in the offseason. Uh, I thought that signing Jock was uh, surprising. Uh, not a good move for them. Um yeah. Uh, I, otherwise, uh, let's see who imploded uh, in their their last start for the, the Cubs. Uh, uh, Zach Davies, uh, who they acquired from the Padres. Uh, again, uh, I, I think the Cubs definitely kind of swung and miss uh, missed on that one. That year, um, Darvish trade was really bad. Right. Yes, and not only did they lose or not only did they not salary dump enough, not that I condone salary dumping, but uh, yeah, uh, they also, yeah, uh, Darvish for, for uh, Davies, no way. No, 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 no. Uh, what are your thoughts? They're going to, they're going to finish, I think, uh, slightly below 500. Uh, and they will, and part of that's probably because there's, you know, there might, there might be a COVID outbreak on the team because, <laughs> you know. Um, Eric Sogard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Um, of uh, service time manipulation too. So, I mean, if, if the Cubs just stopped screwing around and just promoted Nico Horner, that would eliminate the need for all of this altogether. Yep. Send us Kyle Hendricks. That's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> I would love, I would love to get uh, Chris Bryant too and then have him resurge. But I honestly, I wouldn't even give them like I'm, I'm trying to think about who I would trade for Brian and it's not any of our tier two prospects, not even anyone in the second tier. Um, the bears, I'm not sure if you're a fan of football, uh, have a draft pick coming up uh, late in the first round. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or are you kind of a steer clear football kind of person? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not a football person at all. So I'm going to let you two take this one. What do you think, Billy? You see any, right. any plan for the bears? They suck. 
Yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking good. I, I think. Good, I think for the first pick of the bear, the Bears, they're going to go ahead and pick the In-N-Out French fries. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, meanwhile, though, the NFL, uh, a bunch of the, the players are skipping uh, voluntary workouts because of the COVID stuff. And uh, I got to go ahead and applaud them for that because mm-hmm. people need to start getting uh, their shit together in terms of making up a plan. It's time to protect the players. Um, the Bulls are ice cold and Levine is out. Uh, what's the season going to look like for them here at the end? Ooh, I don't think it's going to be great. Uh, my mom is actually a massive Bulls fan. Uh, so, so she, she talks shit all the time to me. Uh, I think uh, trading Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, for Vucevic uh, was definitely a good move. I, I think they improved at least in, in that regard. Uh, but other than that, um yeah, uh, I haven't been feeling the Bulls in a while. I, I don't think the season's going to end well for them, especially with Levine out. How about you, Billy? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so too. I don't think they're going to—they're not going to uh, make it into the playoffs. Which I mean, it was kind of expected before maybe the trade was made, but um, but I'm still amped up for seasons to come because I think they're making the right uh, decisions. Agreed. Markkanen needs to go. He's too—he's not the man Agreed. for the job. Yeah. Um, all the Marcus Aldridge is retiring. I, I wanted to make a mention of that real quick because I'm actually an enormous fan of his. I love the way he plays the game uh, and he's gotten a regular heartbeat, which is super concerning. You just want to wish him nothing but the best. Uh, but last thing really quick, uh, Aaron Rodgers has been coming for Jeopardy. Uh, and I think he's been doing a pretty spectacular job. Have you guys been watching? I watched a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I hear he's been doing great he's awesome and he you know he's friends with alex trebek i guess and or was and uh you know took like a bunch of notes and has been very diligent about taking it seriously and i just mad props he's the first packer that i've ever really liked and uh good work on him well listen guys we're out of time really quickly just want to uh thank you janice so much for being here with us it was such a treat your mind is just through the roof on all the baseball stuff we like learned so much from you just being here so grateful please come back anytime you are always welcome uh, we are going to have the Allens here at some point. We couldn't get the timing right again, but we are going to have them. They are wonderful. If you haven't listened to their podcast, you got to check it out. Uh, but in the meantime, I have been Bobby. I've been Bill. And this has been The Big Blur. And we thank you again, Janice, for joining us. Everybody, make sure you wear a mask, take care of each other, and we will see you next time. Go White Sox!